0: Welcome and here, here. This is here, here. My audiobook podcast. I'm Dan Masterton, and I'm reading to you from my fiction story, What There Is to Be Done. I'm excited to share this with you, one chapter at a time. If you're interested in getting your hands on a paperback copy of the book, visit my linktree at linktr.ee/danmasterton. That's l-i-n-k-t-r.ee/danmasterton. Just follow the directions and complete the form, and I'll send your copy. You can also check out my other writing there. If you're interested in reaching out, I'd love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter at thisladdan, or drop an email to dmastert at alumni.nd.edu. All right, you hit play, so it's time to hear here. If you're driving or running or working, I'm glad to be along with you. Maybe grab a drink later? If you're somewhere safe, raise a glass and toast a blessing to our Catholic schools, our students and teachers, and our imperfect but faithful endeavor to teach the faith. Mm -hmm. I'll join you. You're here. Cheers and enjoy. <music> Teresa was walking around her classroom. The students had a short check-in quiz that she gave them during the last 10 minutes of class. She wasn't overly interested in forcing high-stakes moments, such as an assessment with such a hard ending point in short period, but she liked to warm them up toward the AP tests with select moments like this. And this quiz was intentionally easy, meant to affirm them and help them build confidence in their early skills and knowledge. The bell rang, and Teresa started collecting the sheets from each student's desk. The students did their usual quick disappearance, and Teresa thumbed through the papers as she reflected on the early returns from these two new groups of students she now had. The first two weeks had been good enough, perhaps a little bit of a reckoning for students who had long heard of the junior year increase in pressure and content, and were now facing it in reality. For the most part, her plans from last year were recyclable, and she was benefiting from her long-standing practice of leaving notes in her plans while the implementation of the lessons were fresh. Her comments written a year ago came in handy as she tweaked her plans to line them up for a new year. Teresa clapped the pile of collected papers against her desk with relaxed hands to get the papers all straightened up. She snagged a binder clip out of her desk and bundled the sheets up for her bag. She set them down on the desktop as she sat down and grabbed her phone to check it. She had a fresh text from John, just a few minutes old. Hang in there. Another day, another opportunity. Keep to your framework. Teach your kiddos. Take your breath catch. Brain dump your teaching task and switch gears. Power on! Strong arm emoji, the text read. Teresa typed back. This morning was a good morning. Smooth sailing. My frustration is back in check. I'm here. I'm present to this, she typed and sent. Love you, heart emoji, she added in a second text. Love you too, John texted back quickly, and then a gif followed Buddy the elf, shouting his affection. Teresa laughed as she exited the app and locked her phone to set it down. Yesterday had been a decent day of teaching and a decent day of administration, but it was a day where the combination of the two piled up too high. Between some budget and check-requesting logistics to hammer through and some backlogged grading and gradebook updating, Teresa was at work until 6 o'clock. She came home defeated, not by any particular duty of her job or by any particular interaction in the day, but by the excessive sum of it all. It was too late in the day to squeeze in carry-out wings, but John and Teresa had a good conversation while kicked back on the couch. It wasn't tears or venting, it was just some disappointment and a bit of grief. The potential she had to tackle her new role was pulled from her so late and so unceremoniously. John helped her re-establish a focus on some routine, on starting the day in earnest with her teaching, and trying to shift gears to use most of the day for her big picture role. The pro was that it helped her invest the attention and care needed to feel competent and present. The con was that it essentially invited compartmentalizing. She thought she would be a good administrator because she could carry forward her teacher's mindset into much of her new role. This approach instead shifted her more into triage, managing the overfilled plate she was served at the eleventh hour and trying to keep them all spinning while she acclimated. She hoped it was something that would just be needed for the first part of this year, but what if she needed this strategy to sustain the juggle all year long? What if this teaching admin arrangement had to stay in place for the next year or beyond? It was easier to swallow this strategizing in the short term, but she didn't like the prospects of adopting this mindset indefinitely. For now, for this day, it was the way she was tackling things. She filed her papers into the right spot in her bag and grabbed her checklist notebook. It helped to do task-oriented stuff on paper, to write it by hand and cross it off with a physical gesture of closer. Today she had completed binder checks with students and needed to log the grades. She had to grade and record the quizzes. She had to do a final revision of the upcoming unit test and set up the dummy colors. Everyone got the same questions, but there were three sets of cover page colors. For other tests, everything was on white, but there were different sequences of questions or choices, among other anti-cheating tactics. As she dredged her brain for any other tasks to brain dump onto her checklist page, Brad and Krista popped in. Good morning, Mrs. A, Brad said politely, though not with particular enthusiasm. How are you, asked Krista, with a bit more perk and intentionality. I'm doing okay, and it is wonderful to see you guys. How are you, Teresa asked. We're good, Brad said, looking at Krista for agreement. She nodded to concur. It's still sort of surprising to find you here on our way to study hall. I didn't think you'd be teaching anymore, Krista said, but we're glad we have an easy way to say hi during the day here. Now seniors, their third period study hall a few rooms away, would be their go-to window to catch Mrs. A. after her second period class. Teresa smiled. Even these mature, accomplished seniors were a bit naive, definitely insulated from the inner workings of staffing and all that. A little part of Teresa was a smidge disappointed that she'd likely see them here at her classroom desk, rather than in her new office that was meant to be a hospitable and welcoming place for students, to visit for business, or a chat. She hoped they would find her there sometimes, too, but more than anything, she was just grateful that they stayed connected to her, that they trusted her and kept her in the loop. We had a question for you, Brad said. We're starting to get our college applications together. Sort of unbelievable that we're at that point and wondered if you'd be willing to write us letters of recommendation. Krista looked towards Mrs. A. with a look of genuine curiosity, like she authentically wasn't sure what Teresa would say. Of course, Teresa exclaimed, I'd be honored. What easy letters to write, she added. Krista's face grew tall with excitement. Teresa thought she even saw her kind of punch Brad with the burst of enthusiasm that came. You are the best, Mrs. A. We really appreciate you. And both of us are mainly looking at Catholic universities. We're excited. Thank you, Krista. That means a lot coming from you. I'm grateful to be a part of this with you guys, Teresa responded. Thank you, Brad said earnestly. Teresa nodded. We're going to head to study hall. See you around? You know where to find me. Come by my office sometime, Teresa added. Hopefully. Brad and Krista headed out, and Teresa returned to her brain-dump to-do list. She added a new line for their recommendation letters. It would truly be easy for her to write a genuine, substantial letter on each of their behalves. Her pang of annoyance wasn't at them, but rather at having another thing to do, another extra thing, something that surely she would have done and might have been asked to do even if she weren't actively teaching anymore, but something that added to a list that was already lengthened by the addition of teaching back onto her full plate. The chance to do something like this for her students was at or near the top of the list of why she loved teaching and what she wanted her job to be about. She was not about to let the chance to celebrate students' excellent skills and progress, get marginalized by the complexity and quantity of her work. As she started to pack up and change gears to the admin offices, Teresa thought about Brad and Krista. There are some days when you encounter a student and get a sense that they have some definite promise. Whether through another teacher's referral, through the group of students they hang with, or through the progress you see in them in the classroom, you get a first inkling that maybe they have something untapped, that there's a gift or skill they've yet to get to share, an invitation they've yet to receive to get involved, a permission or affirmation they haven't yet heard. And you get to be a part of the spark that gets that kid going. Whether they're a freshman looking for a direction to go, or an upperclassman that hasn't yet found their anchor points, there's an excitement in pointing them toward a path that could help them blossom. Other times, you get to receive a student who has already been active, who has already found good fits for their interests and abilities, who is already progressing academically, and you get to be part of solidifying their growth. Your interactions with them are more about bringing them into their own and propelling them up into a next level. Either way, Teresa loved that, by staying at one school for several years, she had seen this full trajectory in a bunch of different students. Brad and Krista were the latest examples of seniors who had shown her such responsiveness and gained so much maturity by their involvement in the life of the school. Now as she thought about writing their rec letters, Teresa was wondering who the next students would be. There's some freshmen out in the halls right now who will become the next yearbook editor. There's some sophomores that haven't yet realized that set building can be a really interesting and fun way to meet people and gain some skills. There's some freshmen who just won their election to student council who might become head of a new house someday. The vastness of the potential there was a lot to wrap her head around, but the prospect of being a dot connector, an inviter, an empowerer, that's what excited and engaged Teresa and her patience and resilience with juggling all her responsibilities, was reinforced by this underlying desire Teresa held unflinchingly. We'll get back to the book shortly, but first, over the years Reddit has introduced us to a fabulous thread of social morality in which average people humbly ask, Am I the asshole? as they lay out a quandary from their everyday lives. As screenshots and summaries of these AITA threads proliferate across social media, we present Am I the Asshole? Catholic Edition. This message board will tackle great questions like, Am I the asshole if I reject a grieving family's request to play pop music at a funeral? Am I the asshole if I tell an engaged couple that the only theme for their wedding mass is the Eucharist? And Am I an asshole if I park my kids and family in the only empty pew amid a crowd of middle-aged and older parishioners at mass? Threads to follow, but the answers here are no, no, and no. Am I the Asshole? Catholic Edition, where we find that, by our common baptism, we're all kind of assholes, but in communion with one another and with Christ. I'm not on Instagram, and I'm a selective poster and moderate lurker on Facebook, where I share the Restless Heart blog posts. But I'm most active on Twitter, where I actually really enjoy the Catholic presence of many thoughtful and faithful people. I want to recommend a few of my favorite follows to you here. This week, I invite you to follow Gloria Purvis. Gloria tweets at Gloria underscore Purvis, G-L-O-R-I-A underscore P-U-R-V-I-S. Gloria Purvis is a national Catholic speaker, having hosted a syndicated radio show on Catholic stations and offered talks at many conferences and Catholic gatherings. She now hosts the Gloria Purvis podcast, a series produced by America Media. She describes her show as the conversations that both her and you want to be having, and that couldn't be more true. She attracts thoughtful guests and offers detailed, deep explorations of many of the most challenging issues facing Catholics and the Church today. Check out the Gloria Purvis podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and follow Gloria at Gloria underscore Purvis, G-L-O-R-I-A underscore P-U-R-V-I-S. resolved that, one way or another, she could find more Brads and Kristas, Teresa grabbed her packed bag and got up to leave. As she turned the lights off and shut the door behind her, she saw Larry coming down the hallway to head up to the department office. Morning, Larry chirped, sort of in a courteous way, but also sort of flip. "Good Morning, Larry, Teresa replied. Much as it was a little bothersome to Teresa not to do it, she didn't bother with the additional question of, how are you? As Larry rarely, if ever, continued the conversation during these hallway blow-bys. Larry just kept walking on a straight line, directly to the stairwell and up the stairs to his desk. That man was a bit crusty, a little hardened, even fairly rude, but he wasn't necessarily cynical or jaded. He just belonged to an older guard, one that wasn't as comfortable or proactive in incorporating new technology, new ideas of pedagogy and planning and design. He had studied his subject area, studied education, and taken to teaching. Larry was a punch-clock teacher. It's not that he was indifferent to his students' welfare. It's not that he didn't care what they were interested in or how they engaged beyond the classroom. It's that his gifts and skills and passions, if you would even allow the use of those words, were in teaching in the classroom. He'd dabble in some small talk before the bell rang and even slip a joke in here and there. He was gregarious enough with the kids, but just in small doses. His focus was on lecture, discussion, quizzes, review, and exams. It was imperfect, perhaps even incomplete, but it was what he did, and as the student's performance would bear, he did it pretty well. As Teresa watched him stroll up the stairs, she felt a pang of admiration for him. There really was something to his example of constancy. Sure, he bothered the departmental chair a bit, and Francis's annual reviews with him were in some ways an exercise in futility. Nonetheless, the steadiness with which he did a solid job wasn't to be discounted. Something about his mentality of putting his head down and soldiering on with the work he knew he could do and wanted to do spoke to her. He always showed up, always taught his students serviceably, and always came back for another year. Teresa might have had higher aims in terms of attitude and growth mindset, but in Larry she saw a strong example of consistency. Teresa turned the corner toward the admin wing and walked toward her office. When she was about halfway there, Maria was coming out and saw Teresa approaching. Mrs. Akutis, Maria stated flatly, how are you? Have you received my check request for the film club field trip and booked the bus and left me the check? Teresa was learning how to hold strong to her poker face. Maria already bothered her to a mild extent by her personality of selective caring, the way she made a habit of reaching out, especially to particular kinds of apparently vulnerable students who she knew would take to her, while seemingly overlooking many others. There was no way to know, and Teresa wasn't consumed by it, but it too often felt like Maria's pastoral sense was more about self-edification than serving her students. On top of that, Maria was frequently indelicate and clumsy in her treatment of other teachers. In this case, Maria pulled her patented how-are-you-ask, a Trojan horse sort of courtesy, that skipped the pause that allowed the other person to actually answer and reciprocate, just to get a conversation going in the direction she needed. And now, as Teresa assumed her new role Maria had turned Teresa into a transactional accountant, and one for whom she showed minimal respect. Maria was the moderator of the Student Film Club, a long-standing club that under its previous moderator had a bit of a different reputation. Years ago, it had been a niche bastion for the nerdy and uber-creative students to come together. They'd hunt down independent films and new offerings from film festivals, the group would attend screenings or find a way to watch certain films legally on campus, and engage in high school-level discussions on the art, a nice precursor to maybe taking some film classes in college or getting involved in university production or performance. Now with Maria, things had devolved disappointingly. With all due respect to mainstream movies, the club was essentially just going out to movies together and then gathering on campus under Maria's not-so-watchful eye for social time. As a club, their trips were subsidized by the school, and the members enjoyed cheap or free outings together. Teresa looked at the students involved, and doubted many or any of them might go on to produce or perform anything. All of that stressed her out a bit, because she had her concerns about Maria's approach overall, and particularly wondered at what point this club shouldn't be sanctioned. It was a definite pro to have students gathering in an extracurricular setting, with a moderator, and having a shared social experience. It was another thing for them to have little to no substantial purpose, have potentially inadequate supervision, and be using school funds toward it. What complicated that stress even further was Maria's loose management of the funds. Receipts came in late or never. Balances and transaction histories lagged behind the ledger. And when requests were made, they were made last minute, with Teresa left either to rush to fill them so as not to disappoint students signed up for an event, or to decline them so as to insist upon reasonable timeliness from her moderator and leave students disappointed. For now, Teresa was just rushing her turnaround time to keep this plate spinning in the air. She intended not to ruffle too many feathers these first few months while she learned the lay of the land, but Teresa wasn't going to roll over on all of it either. Good morning, Maria. I'm doing okay. I have not checked my mailbox yet. Did you just deliver it? Teresa asked. Oh, honey, you got to keep your head up. Being an admin and a teacher is pushing you to the limits, Maria prosecuted. Just delivered the request. Need our bus for this Saturday, though. Mentally, Teresa took a breath one that her body only slightly took physically. I will call the bus company later this morning. I would guess they can handle it, but I can't promise anything. If they confirm, I'll get the check request moving and email you a confirmation, she replied. Okay, I'll be watching my email. Joanne always got it done, Maria cited, raising an eyebrow, before starting to move on down the hallway. Ugh, Teresa thought, stop, Joanne. Joanne had obviously moved on to retirement as her role in office had been vacated, and Teresa had formally taken them over. But Joanne had not unplugged. She obviously still kept in touch with faculty and staff over texts and emails, and for all the years she put in, good on her for having those friendships. The problem was that Joanne was not honoring the respectful norm of leaving your successor plenty of space to establish themselves. Teresa inferred that Joanne was openly commenting on active issues and, intentionally or inadvertently, turning teachers against her in the early going. Teresa assumed the best of Joanne, who had been mostly kind and benevolent to her over the years, but she worried Joanne had mistaken retirement as a time for excessive candor rather than a time for relaxation and detachment. Hopefully it would peter out, because Teresa didn't need another stress point, and she needed to make sure she could tighten up some norms and expectations as she moved deeper into the job. Maria, hold on, Teresa said a little bit more loudly. Maria stopped and turned around. We should have a check-in about how the club's going, too. I'll suggest some meeting times in my email later today." Maria nodded slightly and continued away. Teresa wasn't sure if, in this to-be-scheduled meeting, she'd tackle mechanics and logistics, if she'd vet the purpose and activity of the club a bit more closely, or both. She did know it was time to talk about some of it, at least. Teresa felt there was listening and learning for the first little while, and then being a doormat or worse. She started to sketch out some beginnings of a standard club evaluation process one that could start coming together around a conversation with Maria. Maria strode further down the hall toward the stairwell, and Teresa watched over her shoulder as Maria moved slowly toward the entrance to the main offices. Maria stopped to talk with a few students, some boys and some girls. They all exchanged some conversation, and the look on Maria's face quickly shifted to one of profound concern. Maria gave one of the young ladies a hug and pulled away. Then she turned to one of the young men and gave him a big, close hug, sort of pulling his head to her chin, and she almost thought she saw Maria kiss him on the head. Whether she did or not, the closeness and appearance of the encounter was disconcerting. There were clearly appropriate ways to interact with and support students, and there were clearly inappropriate ways to interact with and support students. Then, there is a gray area. Maria's style leaned into that gray area too comfortably. Teresa wasn't exactly sure what she saw that time, but she knew Maria had an affect that was simply off-putting. Teresa worried that a time would come when she'd see or hear of something that was definitely over the line, and that Teresa would have to tattle on her. Yet, if that time came, Teresa's hesitation would be only momentary, out of wanting to remain compassionate and professional to appear, but her response would be decisive and immediate, with an eye to student safety and welfare before anything else. Please don't put me in that position with your decisions, Maria, Teresa thought, and she headed on to the offices. Well, that's all for this week. Remember, if you want to grab a paperback copy of the book, visit my Linktree at linktr.ee danmasterton. That's linktr.ee slash danmasterton. Just follow the directions and complete the form, and I'll send your copy. You can also check out my other writing there. Finally, thank you for listening. May God bless you and all our Catholic school communities, and to you and your prayers and toasts, you're here. The guitar instrumentals on this podcast are improvised and performed by Jason Pham. This book and podcast are copyright Dan Masterton 2021, all rights reserved.